Hi, my name is Alex Cameron. I'm a, a songwriter from New South Wales, Australia, and I spend my time traveling the world, performing shows to varying sizes of audiences to varying degrees of success. Okay, welcome to the next episode of Introducing. I know I say this every week, but it's true. I got so much great feedback. I really did. I don't lie normally, but I got real, like, top-notch, 24-karat great feedback about uh, my chat with Jack White. Thanks so much to all of you who did take the time to listen to it. He was in fine form. He was in a great mood. Um, I do have a little anecdote, though, that uh, was sent to me by my friend Jordan from Frankie's Pizza by the Slice, live rock venue in the heart of Sydney, and, of course, Pizza Joint. Who would have thought? Um, He had a great Jack White story, um, and he wanted me to share it. Well, maybe he didn't specifically want me to share it, but he sent it to me on Instagram, so I guess that's public. He says, Jack White is a legend. He helped himself to our backstage area for whatever reason, maybe lost. Either way, it was a pleasant surprise seeing Jack White inexplicably jogging up the stairs from the fun room's back exit to the weird storage area side of stage. Simultaneously, a glassy enters from an opposing door carrying an enormous box of green apples. The arse blows out of it. This is Geordie's words, not mine. Sending Granny Smith grenades effing everywhere. Jack, without a split second's hesitation, starts dutifully scrambling, collecting and returning the kids' apples. We're talking face on tiles, arms under machinery, full scramble. It was an auto-reaction and one I'll never forget. He's a full-blown legendary sick C-word. Thank you, Geordie. That is Jack White to a T. He is performing at the Harvest Rock Festival very soon, as is our next guest here on Introducing. He's a part of the Harvest Rock lineup, goes without saying. He's also doing some shows um, here in Australia throughout November and December on his own and also supporting a little band called The Killers. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Sydney boy, Alex Cameron. He's now Brooklyn-based. I think we're chatting to him. Yeah, we are, in his loft. Everyone's got a loft in Brooklyn in New York. Uh, he's got some stories in this chat. He really does. He counts Russell Crowe, Henry Rollins and Brandon Flowers as mates. Um, songwriting in general. He's um, been writing songs with the Killers in Vegas and how Brandon showed him a thing or two about writing a chorus. That's in this chat. As I said, he's back home in November and December. Harvest Rock lineup. Please go to this gig if you can. If you're around Adelaide, I've mentioned it before. It's Jack White's only show. A crowded house are performing too. Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of November, harvestrock.com is the place to go. I loved this chat. This was so enjoyable. Please sit back and enjoy. Alex Cameron. I've got to say, um, I know the Peking Duck Boys pretty well, and we bonded over you um, on episode four of this podcast a little while ago. I'm going to play it for you now just so you know what that means. Because at the end of this, okay. I'll, I'll ask you to introduce us to someone, um, so we kind of pay it forward. And this is what they said. I would say, there's a guy, you've probably heard of him. I know you like your rock and roll, and you know the Sydney scene quite well. Have you heard of Alex Cameron? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Alex Cameron. Yeah. I, think he, I think he's onto something. Really Alex special. Cameron and Donnie Benet. Oh, Donnie Benet. Donnie Benet. <laughs> yes. There's some serious oh, Sydney legends I love, yeah. Right Sydney's now. having a little resurgence. Yeah. Totally, yeah. about time. You, if you listen to some of these yeah. Alex Cameron songs or Donnie Benet's, I mean, the, 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 the lyrics. Clever one of the lyrics in Alex Cameron, I think, was pulling the yoga pants off the single mum or something. Yeah. yeah. A nice one. Just peel the gym pants off the single mother. 
what this. And he goes, I got shot on by an eagle. <laughs> you get the idea. So we're we're all uh, we're all having a bit of a love fest for you a couple of, a couple of years. Oh, uh, that's so that's so sweet. Those guys have been really really cool. We have like we've obviously been like tangled up, you know, in in the scene and whatnot. But we've you know, yet to have a good proper hang. So I'm 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 hoping soon we can we can get together and have a good old yarn. You know, I mean they've been absolutely crushing it for so long and uh, and they're also doing so more and more solo stuff now as well like they're doing their own thing so i'm excited to see what those guys get up to and how are you feeling about coming home i mean obviously you've got the harvest rock uh, thing happening in adelaide which is going to be great i'm going to be there harvestrock.com it's going to be hot as uh, and it's gonna it's, it's a yeah. great lineup i've just i just spoke to kurt vile literally a few minutes before um i i answered you and he he's um he's pumped to be coming out here for harvest as well um how are you feeling about coming back home Man, I'm excited. I couldn't really like be more excited. You know, we've we haven't been back to Australia in in three years now, so it's overdue. And yeah, I mean, we've had we've been very lucky coming back there and playing playing good shows. And I think part of the reason why we why we left, it's probably obvious. It's just there's so much work out there, you know, and there's so many different cities to get to. So and it's it's only becoming harder and harder to get overseas from Australia, you know, as a new artist. So I always feel very grateful to be coming back and I always come back a little earlier and stay a little later so I can actually get some time there and see my family and friends and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I'm jacked. And I mean, from, from all accounts, tickets are going well and the shows are going to be hot. And and once we've done our nightclub tours, we'll yes, we'll do some shows with the Killers as well, which will be fun. Yes, so we could do uh, Goes Harvest, I believe. Then you, you've got you're in Fremantle. You're doing the Manning Bar, the Trifford in Brisbane, the Croxton Band Room in Melbourne, and then oh, yeah. and then the Killers gig. So you're actually out here for a while. So there's probably no excuse if your family are listening or friends are listening if you don't catch up. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone I'm anyone I'm trying to avoid will will know it. <laughs> That's right. I, I guess the good thing now, though, wouldn't you agree? Like, I mean, with the internet, especially, and I know, I know I'm going to sound like an old person if I say this, but like with music now, you. you can be anywhere like you're a citizen of the world and and it's and, and it's it must be it must be a nice feeling to you can kind of put out music when you want and 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 you can get the feedback straight away how have you felt with that with um with your albums through the years i've really enjoyed it i kind of i came up you know when i was very young uh people were telling us that you know streaming was just getting started and we were still being told that that no one bought music and and now and for for better or worse, it's worked out in this sort of way that that uh, you know you can you can make a bit of money on streaming, you can make a bit of money on on the writing side, and I mean I I um it's it's very it's it's present in my mind that people only bought hard copies of of music for sort of I mean thirty years there it was not like an it's not an ancient mm. medium. Recorded music is extremely contemporary in context. So, I mean, I'm just happy to be to be putting out music and people can hear it, you know, because that's that's in its own way a very lucky and fortunate position to be in. So, um, yeah, I, I welcome technological advances, and I uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just glad people can hear the music when we make it, you know. I think I I, I, love, I love it because I well, I'm one of the I'm just kind of like a sheep like the rest of the world now I bought a bought a new turntable like an old turntable a couple of years ago and now I'm that's my new, that's my new most expensive hobby is just listening to two songs on Spotify then going to spend seventy bucks on the album but, yeah I but, mean look but I, I love, love that though I've got I love a record that. player yeah 
I've got a really good record player. I, um, there's a company in Detroit called, called, uh, they're called Shinola. Yeah. And they used to make push bikes. And, um, and I was over at, uh, to, to drop a name. I was over at Russell Crowe's place and he was showing me this, this record player and it was gorgeous. And so I told him I really liked it and I wanted to get my, my girlfriend something for Christmas. And he just put me in touch with the people in Detroit at Shinola and said, take care of him. And Russell got, got us this beautiful rose gold vinyl player with a whole surround sound sound system and everything. I, I'm scared to look at how much it's worth, but yeah, we, yeah. we, I love playing, like I still love playing records and it's the best when my studio, I always have a turntable set up because it's the best way to just throw on a random record and like get the vibe going before you start recording. It's, I still really do treasure the, the, the different ways that you can listen to music. But I think most of the time I'm, I'm streaming or I'm buying digital because I'm just traveling a lot, yeah, you know, and it. I just need to listen when I'm on planes and in the bus and all that kind of thing. I give a shout out to the classic hi-fi in King Street in Newtown because um, they hooked me up with a Luxman turntable, which when I tell people, they're like, oh, it was like early 80s Japanese. And then he, and then Ross, who works at yeah, told, right. told me the Luxman is perfect for Roger's speakers and they're from the UK and they're this and I'm not as technical as him, but he's absolutely right. And um, that, that's, that's been, my little, uh, that's been my little baby at the moment. Yeah, listen to that. Listen to a, a vinyl. I mean, it's it's very rich and yeah. and you feel it, and it's it's very beautiful. Well, yeah, you gotta you gotta want to do it, you know. I think like, and the kids are excited about it as well. You know, the younger generation are yeah uh, are rediscovering all those different kind of formats. I still love cassettes, honestly. Oh well. yeah, I love cassettes. <laughs> yeah, um, I, well, I remember listening to. I remember, oh yeah, I remember seeing Strangers Kiss on on Rage, you know, years ago, and then I that's when I went and bought Force Witness on, mm. on on vinyl just for for that one song, and then obviously now I love the album. So, the, yeah, all, all the services, I believe, are complementing each other somehow. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you copping a, a vinyl, you know. It's, 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 it does excite me when people buy them at shows because it's like they're going home with something. And, and it, it means, like, you know, we've had a very good, we just finished a US run here and people are buying CDs and, and from vinyl mostly, you know. Yeah vinyl over CDs, which is awesome because that's what I want to sell, you know. That's what, yeah. that's what I really want to sell. Um, tell us about growing up in Sydney and, and the scene you're in and the places you were going and the bands you were seeing and, and what kind of got you to where you are today. Like, were you always, um, were you like, yeah, where, yeah, where, where were you hanging out and, um, and what were you into when you were growing up in, in Sydney? I started playing drums when I was about 15, 14. I, just, I played I played, my, my uncle was in a, a marching band, like a, ba- a bagpipes and snare drum band. Yeah. Because we have some Scottish background. And uh, so I started learning snare drum. And then I sort of really started to get into rock music and started, my, my older sister started playing me bands like like The Strokes and and the really popular indie bands at the time. And so I started, I really wanted to play drums. And so I started a band in high school when we started playing venues like the Hopeton hotel in Sydney, which, uh, I don't know what's going on these days, but it shut down in around 2009 when I was just out of high school. Hang on. That's not, and, now, that's um, not now a mini golf place. Is it? That's not, that's not the, um, the old Newtown social club, which is now a holy moly. Is it? No, it isn't. It <laughs> okay. isn't. But the Newtown social club had a vibe as well. No, that was great. I, yeah. I love that. It's oh, yeah, a no, holy that moly. That's a holy moly. Now um, my, my kids go to birthday parties there now. So that's strange. <laughs> 
Goodness. Yeah, well, I mean, at least they're doing something with the space. Jeez. Um, yeah, no. And I, I, I sort of, a big, I was into a band when I was a little younger called, uh, that used to be called Pivot. And then they changed the name to PVT. They were signed to Warp Records in the UK and they were Sydney based. And, and then via them, I kind of got into a songwriter called Jack Ladder. Oh, you love Jack and Ladder. And yeah. he was also a Sydney based songwriter. And then, and then I suppose Jared Quarrell, who performs as Lost Animal, was a big deal for me as well. Coming up, just like really, really strong local. Uh, Jared, Lost Animal's Melbourne-based, but I never really bought into the, the city feuds. I was always just sort of like, we just wanted to hear good music. So yeah, um, I'd say those were probably the big three, Pivot, Jack Ladder, and, and uh, Lost Animal. And then what happened then between kind of watching those bands and, and, and loving those bands to thinking that that's something you wanted to do yourself? Did you Were you always putting pen to paper? Were you always singing to yourself? Were you recording voice memos? <laughs> was it yeah. always something bubbling well, along? <laughs> well, I, was very, I wasn't very good at school and I, I didn't go to university, but my mom was always encouraging me to write down things. I had a very... I mean, like a, an imagination that went on overdrive. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound heavy with it, but I had like, I just, I had insomnia as a kid. I couldn't stop thinking. And so my mom sort of pushed me towards writing because it was a way of calming my mind down. And, um, and then in my early twenties, I had a, a very dear friend of mine, who's a music photographer named McLean Stevenson. Uh, he's in Sydney and he, he said to me, we were working together at an office uh, in Sydney. I was working as an assistant to an investigator uh, for, in police corruption at the ombudsman's office. And, uh, and he was one of the investigators. And he said to me, well, why don't you start, start a blog on the internet and write every night, write a thousand words every night, and I'll edit it for you. And so I started writing short stories when I was about 21. And, um, and then I kind of... I had all this writing, you know, probably between 50 and a hundred thousand words just every night, writing, writing, writing. And, um, and I kind of thought, well, how, I don't know the first thing about the literary world, you know, and it seemed like maybe a tougher gig because people would, you know, when I was that age, we're talking about books dying and, and the whole thing going kaput. So I thought, well, you know what, let's go to another dying industry. <laughs> let's go to music. And, uh, and it, and for whatever reason, it's still, I mean, music is just, is always been everything to me. I knew when I was about five years old, I, when I first heard ACDC, I knew I was going to be, in a band and I knew I was going to be a singer yeah. and I was very patient with it and I worked full time and I kept writing songs and playing in bands. And then I finally hit the money with this one, one song I wrote that I thought, Holy smokes, I've got, I just opened up this whole world. A song called happy ending off my first album, yeah. uh, jumping the shark. And I, uh, and then it, once I wrote that song, it only took me about another month or two to get the rest done. And, because I was working full time, I had enough money to press 300 copies of, uh, of this, this album that I'd made. And then we had no, no label, no, no management or PR or anything. I just pressed them. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. And, um, and then I decided I was sending it to different labels and no one was responding. So I decided I was going to leave Sydney. So I just, uh, saved up as much money as I could and I went straight to Paris and I, um, I did the old, the oldest trick in the book. I made a fake management company online <laughs> and started writing to people. My company was called fretless management. 
of fret, fretless talent. Did you have and a logo? My, Did you have a logo? Yeah, yeah. We had the whole thing. My oh, friend yeah. helped me make it. Yeah, great. And the, my manager's <laughs> name was K K A Y because it was uh, it was um, you know ambiguous gender wise. You didn't know who you were talking to. Yeah. And um, and I started sending this the music out to people like different i said instead of going to agencies and labels i started going to local promoters in europe and just saying i've got this young kid he's really good uh he'll work for free he just wants to get on stage and get experience and i think once they hear that and they hear that the music's at least half decent they uh they're excited i mean obviously they paid um not very well but they still paid no one makes you work for free but i think there was a i i, I had a bit of an edge because i just i didn't give a fuck about i'm oh, sorry i didn't give any i didn't give it I didn't care. I just wanted to work. And uh, I was in Paris in probably around 2013. And uh, a local Parisian promoter put me on as a support act at the Pitchfork Music Festival in Paris. And I played alongside a band called Foxygen, who were out of California. And they, I got off stage and then they got off stage and I found a note in my backpack, which just said, do you want to come on the road with us in the States? And uh, that was when it started rolling once I, cause I'd probably done about 10 or 15 shows in Europe to just trying to get my chops up. And then they saw the set and liked it. They liked the record. And, and that's when I did my, in 2000, it, 2014 was when I did my first full like 30 date tour of the U S supporting an American act. And then one thing led to another. I mean, I got, a, I got, you want to hear a crazy story? Yeah, absolutely. So I got back from that Foxygen tour into um, Australia and I had an email in my inbox and it was from an email address, which was hen- Henry on the radio at gmail.com. And I thought, and it said, it said, hi, Alex, it's Henry. Just wanted to let you know, I've heard your record. I really love it. I've bought the vinyl, um, but I've got a radio show and I just need to, um, I need a digital copy so I can play it on the radio. Uh, let me know if that's okay. Lots of love, Henry. And I thought, Henry, holy shit. Henry was this old sound engineer that um, I, I mean, when I say old, I mean someone from my past. He's not an old person, but um, he was someone that I had worked with years and years and years before on a tour in Australia. And I thought, as I wrote back, I said, Henry, great to hear from you. Um, no worries at all. Here's the link. Uh, really appreciate your writing and hope you can get a beer sometime soon. Lots of love, Alex. And then I got a response back saying this, you don't know how much this means. <clears throat> really appreciate it. I know it's not easy to do the digital thing. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll hold you to that beer one day. And, uh, so a couple of weeks later, I'm down at the pub at the Hollywood hotel and I see Henry there and I go up and say, Henry, how are you, mate? He goes, good, good. Good to see you. I said, I hope the radio show's going well. He said, I don't know. He said, what radio show? I said, the radio show you're doing. You sent me an email saying you're doing a radio show. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not doing a radio show. And I was like, who the hell just wrote me an email? So I went back home <laughs> and checked my email. It was Henry Rollins. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. That's so I'd just written <laughs> this email to Henry Rollins being like, yeah, good on you, mate. Cheers. <laughs> like I didn't, well, you didn't get, think you he didn't was my get. mate. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. But it actually worked out really well because he's so down to earth and so like he appreciated the that it wasn't too formal, you know. Yeah, so it worked course. out. And now I 
every time we put a record out, I go on Henry's show. We play the whole thing in full in, in Los Angeles. And yeah, that was, that was sort of around the same time. And then Henry put on some shows for me in LA. And that's, that's when I got my, my record deal in, in the States was when, was when we were doing shows in, in LA with Henry. Well, that's massive. I love that. Tell, tell me about some, um, because there's so many areas I want to cover and I'm conscious of your time, but tell me about um, riding with Brandon Flowers and, 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 and with the Killers. Yeah. Well, that was, that was equally crazy. Did you send Brandon an email thinking he was an old mate from Australia? <laughs> right, right. No, well, this is, this is another thing. So we were in, um, in Florida in Tallahassee and we just played a show in a, in a record store. We were still trying to hawk albums like out of the back of our car. And, um, and we were driving, I can remember we were driving, distinctly remember driving away from a gig where we'd sold like four copies. And, uh, and my, I remember my phone vibrating my pocket and looking at it, and it was a, an email. I thought someone as a joke. Me and my mates used to wind each other up and like sign each other up for mailing lists, like even like ridiculous. The more ridiculous, the better, you know. And I thought, yeah. oh, my friend was having a laugh signing me up to the Brandon Flowers mailing list because <laughs> I'm a fan of Brandon and the Killers. And uh, I got it, and I, I, I was like, oh, who did this? And I opened it up, and it was just a, a personal email from Brandon saying that he'd been listening and that he liked it and that he wanted me to come out to Vegas and, and do some songwriting. So yeah, we, we ended up just driving more or less straight to Atlanta and getting a flight to Vegas. And, uh, and sure enough, Brandon was there and he, he gave me my own, like he sort of put me up in my own apartment. He's like Mr. Vegas. So he can, he can hook it up. I and mean, he gave me this apartment on top of a casino on the strip. And we just wrote for a week straight and it just clicked. It was really natural. And uh, we got a ton of stuff done, a ton of, ton of Killers tracks, ton of my songs. And uh, yeah, it was really surreal though to see him. Like I remember the first time he stood up and sang in front of, like he was like, oh, I'll just do a, a scratch vocal take just to get the idea down. And he did it. And I was like, fuck, that is the Brandon yeah. voice. Yeah. Yes. He just, yeah. in the room, hearing in the room was like, hearing it in an arena. Um, and there was, there was this one occasion where I was like, I played in the song of mine, I was on the piano and I was like, and then this is the chorus and I played it. And he did this thing that was a bit sort of like Crocodile Dundee. He was like, that's not a chorus. This is a chorus. <laughs> and he turned my chorus into the pre-chorus and then he actually had the chorus. Oh, the like, actual he's chorus, just yeah. a machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hold, my beer, hold my beer type thing. Just hold yeah, my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's cute. I'll check this out. <laughs> well, what have you said? Do you find when you are writing with other people that it, it's kind of mind-blowing that they do it so differently or that so many there's so many different ways to approach a song or or do you find that even when you're putting a song like let's if we're talking about oxy music like are you writing every track on your new album in a similar way or is it all coming from different areas or different inspirations i hope that makes sense no yeah it does I, it does it does there are it's sort of i don't know how many forms there are there's the song that arrives in your in my mind completely formed structure sound everything and and the job is trying to get it how i how i hear it yeah and it never leaves the best this is the other thing the best ideas don't leave like you know the, the whole thing of like rushing to write something down in case i forget it i don't really subscribe to that because if it's a good enough idea and i like it it'll stick around it's yeah. like it's for me it's about it's the art of getting my own music stuck in my head 
if I can get my own song stuck in my head, then I'm onto something. Yeah. You know? So a lot of it is, is mental and a lot of it is vocal. It's a lot of voice memos, a lot of singing when I'm walking down the street. Um, I've written songs in their entirety on a bus, just like without an instrument there, you know? And then other times I'll sit down at the piano and, and find a little progression or an idea that I like. And sometimes it ends up being a little bit like collage work or like making a puzzle. Like I've got a really nice set of chords and then I'll realize like, I'll realize that a melody that I've been working on actually fits with them. And that's also a beautiful thing. Um, but still, I think the best songs are when a, a melody, a single melody gets stuck in my head and it doesn't really matter what the rest is because the melody is strong enough. Are you ever now thinking constantly now, oh no, this is a great song, but what would Brandon Flowers do? <laughs> oh, a little bit. He did tell me, he's like, listen, man, he's like, you got great songs, but you keep writing these lyrics. You keep writing these lyrics. You know, it's you're taking the harder route. And I was, I'm always like, I'm always telling him, I was like, I'll see you on the, I'll see you at the end of the road. It's just going to take me longer. Yeah. Um, with the new album, um, you must be very proud of it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome, it's an awesome um, a collection of, of work and best life. I was actually just watching before I chatted to you, uh, the, the film clip, which your, your, your wife directed as well. How, how is that working together? Cause I, you, you're obviously, yeah. she was amazing in Strangers Kiss. I have to say it was just still one of my yeah, favorite clips. Yeah, she. She steals the show time and time again, and I want her to, you know. Yeah. Um, she was, she's, Jemima's been so incredible to me. You know, she has her own, her own fame and her own work, and, and she's just been so generous. We actually met because she was, uh, I thought she wanted to make a music video for me, but she, I didn't realize she was hitting on me. That's how <laughs> we kind of, that's how we met. Yeah. Um, and she has obviously worked on, on, you know, incredibly successful sort of like legacy building television shows, you know, and that, that strangest kiss video we shot in New York, more or less on the subway. And she, we would, she would have to, we were like running to different areas because there were paparazzi following her. So it was like this weird experience of having us shooting something while someone's shooting her and people didn't know what it was that we were doing because no one had any idea who I was. Mm. So they were just like, why is Jemima hanging out with this weird dude? <laughs> they, were they denim? fearing for her safety? <laughs> probably a little bit. They were probably just like, Jemima could have gone off the deep end, you know, <laughs> just hanging out with this lanky Australian in double denim. Not a good look. Um, but no, she's an immense, immense talent. And I mean, I don't think, you know, just quietly, I, I don't think the world is really seeing what she's fully capable of. She's going to go from strength to strength and, and in terms of writing and directing and as an artist, and I'm just constantly in awe of her. And I find her to be, yeah, maybe the single most inspiring yeah, influence on my life. Very, it always has the right thing to say to me when I, if I come up against a, a hurdle or or an obstacle. She's just like the uh, the perfect creative partner. She's magnificent. I can't I can't say say enough good things about her. Really. Well, I guess it's a crazy kind of line of work you've chosen that has a lot of a lot of kind of um, distractions to probably tear you down. It's amazing that to, to probably have someone that you can actually rely on that's not out to take advantage of you or or, or give you shifty advice. It must be it must be very special. Yeah, she's she's like I know down to her core she's got my back and she wants good things for me she's like the she's a jemima's the kind of person to be like she always wants me to do 
the gnarlier option. I'm always like, should we play it safe here? And I was like, nope. Nope. He's like, go. You know, and I don't, she doesn't mean that in like a provocative way. She means it in like, if it's whatever is more honest, you know? Yeah. Um, I have to also mention um, the clip with um, Kieran J. Callanan, who, by the way, I first met at Splendor in the Grass at the Tackle Shack, where he literally had his balls in everyone's face because he was scaling the roof completely nude. Um, yeah. How did you meet? It- how did How did you meet him? <laughs> we we met, I believe, through friends. We I remember we went for dinner in in Chinatown, and uh, I think I met him through through Jack Ladder. And I was just in awe of this guy. I was like, has this guy just got like an unlimited resource of testosterone? Like he must <laughs> just like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I would ever want, I don't know if I could handle being Karen because he is an amazing, an amazing like energy like source, you know, and he, he, to the point where he gives me energy when I'm hanging out with him, you know, just because it's so exciting. And, uh, one of my favorite performers on earth um, and I, it, I'm like to the point where sometimes I get scared watching him cause I'm just like, how can I live up to this energy? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I took a, sh- we were, we were pretty good mates. We'd hung out a few times and I just took a shot in the dark. He wrote to me and said he liked my, my first record and I was very flattered and I took a shot in the dark and I wrote him this poem, which was about two cowboys tr- admitting that this town might actually be big enough. You know, the classic line, this town ain't big enough. So yeah, I was like, yeah. maybe the town is big enough. <laughs> also, people have like sort of compared compared to him and like maybe said that I was ripping him off. So I sort of was like a little piece. I was offering a, it was a little olive branch, like, hey, maybe we can turn this into something fun. And then he came back with like a thousand even bigger ideas, which like just turned it into something completely different. I mean, like it was a good song and, and then – we were in London recording it. We were going to make it a ballad, like a sort of country ballad. And we went to get like some snacks from an off license in London. And, and we heard like some crazy, like Swedish EDM pop. And we were like, wait on a second. If it's going to be a song about world peace, then maybe it should be like every man's music, like dance music, you know, like, so there's no bullshit. It's not trying to be too clever. It's just hit them hard where it hurts. And, uh, and so we got the track done. I was over the moon with the, the, like sort of the keyboard, this producer, Aaron couples did this synth line that was just so amazing. And then we were jumping around in the studio. And then a couple months later, he'd gone back to Australia and I was in the States and he said, shit, I think I've got Jimmy Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no way. There's no way he's got Jimmy Barnes. And, uh, and, and sure enough. Yeah. He, um, sent me the file of which was just like Jimmy screaming, yeah. like just, just his screams alone. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is gonna, this is gonna explode. And we put it out and, um, and it only sort of, I mean, like I say only, it only sort of, we had about a million hits and we were like, okay, like we wrote a world peace anthem that after a month, it's got a million. Like we weren't really that stoked. We were, we were happy. And then I don't know what the hell happened. It had just exploded. It just became this thing, this whole. Well, didn't it go on one of the Tonight Shows? Was it Jimmy Fallon or one of the Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy, yeah. They played it. It went everywhere. I don't know who did it and I don't know how it happened. It's probably something to do with like Reddit or something, but it just, 
exploded and we were in we were in hysterics laughing about how many hits it was getting so fun well, to this day last I, still, I checked i think it was like 67 million um views so it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot of views like yeah yeah it's like i mean out of all the australian clips released that year <laughs> i'd be interested to see if there's one with more views than that one you know yeah you're you're kind of like at an american idol finale territory <laughs> yeah right it's like it's a pop hit yeah but i love I it always wanted to do, i always wanted Keanu to go and do it on uh, eurovision I really wanted. I was like, "That's got to be the song." Well, my co-host on the radio show hosts Eurovision, so I definitely can put a put a word in. It's got to be the song. <laughs> it would still work five years later. It's got to be. All right, I'll, I'll put. A, I'll, I promise you, before you come out here, I'll put a good word in for you. Please, um, mate. It's Please. been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Honestly, it's been a real thrill, and uh, I can't wait to see your shows. Um, HarvestRock.com is the place to go, and then obviously FrontierTouring.com has the dates for Frio, Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. Oxy Music's the new record. Um, you must be really proud of it, mate. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to have you back out here and back home in the sunshine. I'm. So, I can't wait. Yeah, I do. I hope we get to meet. Sam, I really want to, you know, I really want to get back in touch with my Aussie roots. So I'm excited to hear an Australian accent. I'm well, I'm, I'm to coming everyone. to I'm coming to Harvest Rock. I think they're putting me in a little tent, and I'm going to do some mini chats. So uh, we we, okay. we most likely get to meet in a couple of weeks. I hope so. I hope so dearly. If we could finish with you introducing us to someone, uh, as the Peking Duck Boys did uh, uh, <laughs> for you, yeah. uh, if anyone would like to pay it forward, anyone you're listening to at the moment that or you've seen or. I want to, I mean, I don't know. Is it out of bounds to just recommend Kieran, Jay Cameron? No way, not at all. He's making a new record right now and, and I'm just such a huge fan and I've, I've got so much to be grateful for, you know, with our friendship. And I think he's definitely one to watch next year. Well, put a good word in for me and um, hopefully I can chat to him on the, on the podcast soon. So let's say you had, the, you had the best time ever. It was the best media you've ever done. <laughs> I will. I will. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome, mate. Thanks for your time again. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.